Welcome to Wisconsin DNR's Wild Wisconsin Off the Record Podcast. Information straight from the source. Welcome back to another episode of Wild Wisconsin Off the Record, where we bring you inside voices on Wisconsin's outdoors. I'm your host and DNR's digital media coordinator, Katie Grant. Did you know that cougars, mountain lions, and pumas are all the exact same animal? This cat that once roamed throughout Wisconsin wasn't seen here from about 1908 until just a few years ago. Our large carnivore biologists work hard to track these animals throughout the state, but they can't do it alone. Much of what they know about cougars in Wisconsin is based on information they've received from other residents throughout the state. Sawyer Brill sat down with them to find out what they know about the history of the animal, where we are today, and how you can help them. Sawyer? So today we've got a really cool one. Uh, we're joined by Scott Walter and Jane Wiedenhoft, and we're going to talk about cougars or mountain lions in Wisconsin. So we'll cover everything from their history in the state to their biology, uh, some of the tools available to help confirm sightings, and then help you learn more really on a, at a really high level about this interesting animal. Um, cougars in Wisconsin, it's kind of a hot topic, whether it's on social media, uh, talking to landowners and things like that. So I think Scott and Jane are really going to have some, some great perspective here. So why don't we get, just get started here. We'll start with you, Scott. Can you talk about uh, kind of your role at DNR? Sure. Uh, my official title, Sawyer, is Large Carnivore Specialist. So I help coordinate uh, programs related to black bear, uh, gray wolf, and cougar management in the state. Jane, how about you? Uh, and I'm an assistant large carnivore biologist for the state, um, and I work in northern Wisconsin. So you both mentioned large carnivore. So how do cougars fit into what you guys do on a daily basis? Well, the program is actually fairly broad. You know, when we talk about large carnivores, there are three species uh, here in Wisconsin now, and it's interesting, they're the three native large carnivores that we had in Wisconsin. So with the arrival of cougars over the last decade or so back into the state, our large carnivore community is intact. Uh, at least that's one way to look at it. And in terms of the program, of course, these are very visible species that uh, people have strong attitudes, opinions, or even emotional reactions to uh, when they hear about uh, their presence on the landscape. And they're very in interested, therefore, in how we, uh, as an agency, uh, lead management efforts. I think it's interesting that you said it's a species that people are really interested and kind of tuned in on. Uh, that's something we're going to touch on later, but I mentioned earlier, it's just a, it's, it's a really hot topic, especially now, whether it's with uh, farmers, hunters, anything like that. So I think that's going to be really interesting to touch on. Um, Jane, did you want to add anything? So Scott's role, I think, is on a higher level, which he mentioned. Can you maybe describe your role? Um, sure. I, I spend um, more than half of my time on wolves, uh, and I do a lot of the database management, uh, GIS mapping. I also am in the field doing some, mo some of the monitoring surveys. Um, and then the second biggest chunk of my time is probably spent on collecting the cougar observations and following up on some of those. So what other species do you guys, Jane, you mentioned wolves, but within that large carnivore program, what else is included there? Uh, black bears. That's the third leg okay, on so the large carnivore stool. So yeah. black bear, mountain lion, and wolf. That's right, yep. That's quite the trio. So I guess now we'll move into kind of more a high-level overview of cougars. Uh, Scott and Jane, can you guys maybe talk about the species as a whole for someone who may not be overly familiar with 
with the biology or things like that. Can you kind of just give the, the 30,000 foot view of a, of a mountain lion? Yeah, I think cougar is a word that's on, on the lips of a lot of Wisconsinites now, and it's because over the last decade they've started showing up in the state. And I think one of the interesting things about these uh, dispersing cougars that we've been seeing uh, on our landscape is the historical perspective. When you think about large carnivores in general during the, the days of European settlement, uh, back in the mid, late 1800s, even the early 1900s, uh, cougars, black bears, gray wolves, they were all swept up in this uh, westward expansion, manifest destiny mentality, and they were really something to be uh, gotten rid of so that landscapes could be settled, converted to agriculture, things like that. So what we saw with respect to all these species was range expansion and or range contraction, and specific to cougars, they were pushed into remote areas of the Rocky Mountains, Canada, uh, areas like that where they, they survived because simply they weren't in contact with humans. What was going through their head when they, they were thinking, we're going to remove all these cougars, it's going to help X. Can you touch a little bit on that? Certainly. Well, when we talk about the early settlers, including great-great-great-grandpa Henry Walter, who settled in southwest Wisconsin, you know, their concern was making a living. And he right? was a cougar advocate, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> one would hope. Okay. Right. But, you know, of course, they had to make a living. And as farmers, they had to clear the forests, they had to till fields, they had to raise livestock in, a, at that point, a really inhospitable landscape. And large carnivores, things that may prey upon that line, livestock, were simply considered vermin and something to be gotten rid of in the way of, of settlement and expansion. Interesting. Can you maybe describe the relation to, you mentioned you also, you guys also manage bears and wolves. Where does the mountain lion fit in as far as from a biological standpoint? Well, in terms of uh, the ecosystem, they're on a similar plane. You know, they're, they're a top carnivore. And along with wolves in Wisconsin, their primary prey would be white-tailed deer. So when we think about the way an ecosystem structured, wolves, cougars are on essentially the same level or or plane in that ecosystem. So from a predatory standpoint, is there a preference? Um, I'm purely going off watching Marty Stauffer's Wild Outdoors <laughs> as a kid here. Um, so is their preference kind of the spot and stalk type of thing as, as far as prey or? Yeah, it's, it's nice you brought that up, Sawyer, because the hunting strategy of cougars is quite different from that of gray wolves. Uh, wolves are a cursorial predator. They uh, move across the landscape and, and try to detect and, and pursue prey, and in this case, again, white-tailed deer, whereas cougars are an, an ambush predator. They try to stalk up and ambush prey as the prey are going about their activities. And are they solitary? Do they, do they travel in groups? Uh... The, the only time you're going to see cougars in groups is when you've got a female with young or a brief period during the breeding season where a, a male or female may hang out together. And that breeding season, he's kind of out of there after that, right? That's right. So that he's not sticking around. It's kind of up to the mom at that point to, to kind of raise those young from there. That's right. History relative to Wisconsin. So you mentioned kind of westward expansion and how that all fit into kind of the species as a whole. From a Wisconsin standpoint, what have we seen just generally in the history of cougars? Um, well, Wisconsin had cougars throughout the state um, prior to European settlement. And um, 
as, as Scott mentioned, uh, the European settlers were pretty intolerant of their presence. Uh, the last recorded cougar in Wisconsin was around 1908. And then we had a long period of no verified cougars in the state until 2008. So do you get a feel for um, so the last recorded in 1908, was, were those people similar to your positions working in a similar capacity or was it more just using something like journals or, or something like that as far as how, do you know how they could tell that that was the last time that someone had officially seen one? Uh, that was the last documented one and that was a case of, I believe it was a case of a farmer killing a, a cougar. Okay, interesting. So then fast forward to 2008. Um, do you guys have an idea if people were looking for them and searching for them in that kind of a hundred year gap? Or was it more that they got a report and then it was kind of like, well, all right, we'll start looking for them again? Um, you know, DNR has been doing track surveys for a very long time um, for fur bearers and, uh, and then later for wolves and then carnivores. Um, and Cougars were not showing up on those track surveys, uh, so we have some indication that we at least didn't have any substantial number coming into the state during that time period. From a just eyeballing it standpoint, you're going to be able to tell a cougar versus something else. Is, is that safe to say? Cougar tracks are pretty distinctive. We, um, I should mention we have three native cat species in Wisconsin. and. Uh, Bobcats would be the most common, and we see their tracks pretty regularly on our track surveys. Uh, lynx would be another species that occasionally can occur in Wisconsin, but their tracks are quite different than a bobcat or a cougar. And then uh, cougar tracks are, are going to be, they're going to look very similar to bobcat tracks, but much, much larger, okay. much more robust. Where are we at now? Yeah, well, what's interesting, what we've seen uh, over the last 10 years or so, as Jane and I were talking earlier, in the 1800s, early 1900s, cougars were wiped out in Wisconsin. The, the species was pushed into very remote areas out west. But since that time, of course, we as humans have developed this conservation ethic, and we're more concerned about species in decline, rare species, than we were at that point. So species like gray wolves, species like cougars, their range has been expanding over time. And over the last decade, what we're seeing in Wisconsin are essentially little embers cast forward downwind from a wildfire. We, we're seeing individual cougars uh, passing through Wisconsin from established populations further west. And, and what we believe is the source of most of these cougar sightings is a breeding population in the Black Hills of South Dakota a population that itself was only established within the last few decades. So again, given changing human views toward large carnivores, cougars in particular, their range is expanding. And it's not surprising that we're starting to see cougars in Wisconsin as well as many other eastern states. So just from a perspective standpoint, I mean, you think about hopping in the car and driving to South Dakota, that takes a long time. If there's a population in, in maybe the Black Hills region, uh, can you maybe go through what would be going through the mind of a, of a mountain lion at that point to make them travel that, that length of distance? Uh, what we're seeing are young animals, and they're, they're leaving the area in which they were born, uh, generally because there's no room. 
right? Dispersal tends to be higher uh, in populations where, where there's a lot of animals, where there's density, where the animals can't find their own home range, their own, their own territory. So uh, from the South Hills, is that, uh, the Black Hills in South Dakota, is that population's been established and grown. Individuals start moving out of that population and looking for their own territory. But with cougars, the males tend to disperse more often and much further than females. So the evidence that we've been able to gather from cougars that have dispersed into Wisconsin, uh, as far as we know, they've all been males. Um, males will, will disperse incredible distances. One of the cats, cougars that came through Wisconsin, ended up being killed in Connecticut, for example. Many of the listeners may remember that. Females, on the other hand, uh, only about half or slightly less than half of the females disperse at all. Most of them establish territories near their mother, uh, adjacent to the area in which they were born. Uh, but the females that do disperse tend to disperse a far shorter distance. So they're much less likely to make it to Wisconsin. It's about 600 miles from the Mississippi River to the Black Hills. So it's a long way to go. And most of the females just don't travel that far when they disperse. So from a wildlife manager standpoint, does that tell you anything when we're only seeing males here? Yeah, it tells us that the likelihood of a breeding population becoming established in Wisconsin is going to be limited by female dispersal. And until there's a population established somewhere closer to Wisconsin, say northern Minnesota with the, the dense forests they have, have there, uh, the establishment of a breeding population isn't likely. Not to say it can occur, because individual females do what they want to do, and it's possible that a, a female may uh, immigrate from the Black Hills, but it's just not likely given their dispersal tendencies. And I think that's a perfect opportunity for a little segue there, Scott, something you mentioned. You mentioned northern Minnesota and how it has kind of those thick, big forests. Is there an ideal habitat for a mountain lion? Yeah, they're actually found in a lot of different habitat types from dense forests to deserts. And really what determines their presence on the landscape or their abundance is the abundance of their prey. They can travel long distances. It sounds like they're pretty stout in the face of weather, different types of habitats and things like that. So just for maybe perspective for the people listening, is there something that you guys could give them as to reference as to the size of a mountain lion and what it may look like if you were to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with one? Ah, well, it's too bad they can't see Scott. Scott is, uh, <laughs> Scott is over, well over six foot tall, and I was thinking the other day if we laid Scott down lengthwise, that would be about as long as a cougar. <laughs> That's a big animal. <laughs> it's a big animal, and I always think about it being, you know, if it's standing next to you, uh, shoulder height is going to be about hip high. Wow, so that is quite a large animal. It's a large, impressive animal. And as far as kind of the tools that they have to survive in the wild, um, they're pretty skilled. Do they have a, we mentioned they're kind of these stock predators, but is there a specific technique that they use? I know you always hear about wolves have a very specific way of, of preferred method of kill. Do cougars have kind of a preferred way that they're kind of tracking down prey? Yeah, the, the way cougars tend to dispatch their prey, and again, this is large prey. Cougars are very large animals, but white-tailed deer can be fairly large too, in excess of 100 pounds. So it's not easy prey to subdue, but the way cougars and many other cats uh, try to do that, strangulation, they'll often grab the animal by the front of the throat 
or the back of the head and try to dispatch it as quickly as they can. Interesting. And then after the kill, do they, I guess it would depend on time of the year, but do they tend to kind of gorge themselves or is it more of a, are they stashing it somewhere? Do you guys have a feel for that? Yeah, one of the things that's diagnostic of, of cougar and other felid kills is they will cache. Uh, they, w when they make a kill, they'll certainly feed substantially on the internal organs, the meat, but they can't eat an entire, they're not a wolf pack, right? They can't in eat an entire deer in one sitting. So they'll often cache the animal, uh, pull it off into the brush, and, and like cats in the yard or in the sandbox, they'll scrape leaf litter, branches, things like that to, I guess, try to disguise it from other predators that might, or scavengers that might be in the area. Mm -hmm. Jane, can you talk about uh, maybe how we keep track of sightings and maybe even rewind a little bit more as to how, for instance, when we look at a photo or you're looking at tracks, how do we know that's a male? Because a lot of questions we get from a lot of people is, I see a picture of a mountain lion. How do you know it's a male? So can you talk oh, a little bit about that? Yeah, sexing mountain lions is not that easy. <laughs> um, in the cases uh, where we can say for sure, uh, it was a male that cougar that was in the state. It's been from genetic analysis of, of uh, biological sample from that animal. Um, there is a way to tell visually. It's not that easy. You have to have the animal in the correct position to see um, uh, the back of the animal. And basically you can see a black spot three to four inches below the where the tail meets the body if it's a male. Um, if it's a female, that black spot won't be there. So you mentioned genetic evidence, which I think is a really cool thing we can talk about. So what does that mean? Is there a, a number of things that you guys can use to kind of determine that? Yes, uh, we can use blood. Um, and um, some of the samples were collected from blood in the tracks of the animal, which is kind of interesting. It's been my observation that um, the feet of cougars tend to get kind of scraped up in our Wisconsin snow and they often do leave some blood in their tracks in Wisconsin. Um, you could also collect a urine sample um, from snow, obviously, or um, hair samples would also uh, give us a, a sample for genetic testing. So does that tend to be an all-day affair then when you guys get a report or, or have a trail camera and they give you kind of this point on the map. What is that process like kind of fanning out and trying to, Scott's, <laughs> Scott's smiling, so I feel like this would be a good answer, but what does that process look like to kind of start from the X on the map and, and go out from there? Are there certain techniques you use? Uh, well, uh, usually it's not just an X on a map. Usually the landowner is pretty enthusiastic about going out there with us and showing us where, the, where they got the photo or where they saw the tracks. Um, and it's usually only, you know, one or two or a handful of DNR staff that go to check the site out. And yes, we do often spend a couple hours out there trying to look for further evidence, providing the, the photo was recent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is there a, a time of the year that it's really hot as far as sightings for you, or is it kind of consistent throughout the year? Winter is probably um, when we more often get reports and maybe more in the fall because people have their trail cameras out in preparation for hunting season, so they're picking up those photos. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the winter when we have snow on the ground, people will be sending us photos of tracks that they um, think might be cougar tracks. Okay. 
what are the tools that you guys have when you're looking at a photo? Obviously, some don't pass the smell test right away. You can say, nope, not a cougar. But for the ones that are a little more difficult, are there tools that you can use, whether that's where the photo was taken or just looking at the photo itself to kind of gauge either size or, or whether you think it might be a mountain lion? Um, there are some uh, characteristics that we can look at. So we always look at if, if it's visible in the photo, the back of the ears. Um, if the back of the ears have bright white patches, well, that's a bobcat, not a cougar. Um, the tail length, obviously, bobcats have short tails. Cougars have very long tails, and they're um, usually visible in the photo. Um, so that's another characteristic. The size of the legs. Um, cougar legs are very thick and stout, and their feet are large. Uh, sometimes we get photos of cats with skinny legs and small feet, and you know, right away, the, those body proportions aren't aren't those of a cougar. So, Jane, let's say hypothetically, you've you've done the site visit, you've seen the photos, you've got evidence. It's a confirmed cougar. So, what what happens from there? Ah, from well, from there we. Um, we try to get it on our map. We have a map on our website that shows confirmed uh, cougar observations. Um, we, uh, we do sometimes uh, announce that either in the media or at least on Facebook to let folks know that there's a, a confirmed sighting. I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. Do you guys have a feeling for as far as the reports that you get is there a ballpark percentage that are confirmed? Or oh. does it kind of fluctuate year to year? It's, <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, it's a, I'm glad I wrote this down. Do you have so. any, oh, she's got an exact percentage, it looks like. It's so, perfect. yeah, in 2017, um, we received 81 reports that included some evidence. And we confirmed 25% of those as cougars. And 59% were confirmed to be something other than cougar. And what's the most common? culprit other than a cougar? Um, bobcats and housecats would be the most common. Okay. So for people who aren't aware of the Large Mammal Observation Forum, it's a really good way to get in touch with both Scott and Jane um, and at a very high level learn more about the species and what it means for you. But is there something that they can do if they get a trail camp photo or, or see a track? Obviously that's a little different process, but uh, what, what can they do? Yeah, we're, we're really interested in receiving those reports mm -hmm. because, of course, we want to keep track of what's going on with cougars in the state. And again, you know, we, we invite those observations through the online reporting form that Jane mentioned. Mm -hmm. Are cougars a protected species in Wisconsin? Um, and for the people listening, what does that mean? So they are listed as a protected species right now in Wisconsin. And essentially what that means is it uh, limits, you know, our ability to manage, for example, um, we can't hold a harvest season for cougars, appropriately so, given the fact that they're extremely rare in the state right now. Uh, but it does also allow uh, individuals that may um, find a cougar depredating one of their uh, animals, the livestock, or a cougar that's uh, in the process of attacking an individual uh, recourse in terms of um, lethally control controlling that animal. Are there, are there other tools that maybe uh, farmers or someone else can use if they think one may be in the area? Is there someone that they should contact or kind of what that what's that thought process like? Yeah, uh, anybody including farmers that think they've seen a cougar certainly uh, we'd like to hear about it. It would be worth reporting it. 
But if a farmer in particular has a cougar hang, hanging out near their livestock or has experienced a depredation that they think might be due to a cougar, uh, they could get a hold of our staff, uh, but we would refer to them to our partners at USDA Wildlife Services, uh, the animal damage experts that would go out and do a site visit and investigation and try to determine exactly what happened and, and whether it was due to a cougar. From a human health standpoint, is there any risk? I know there's there's not a lot of cougars in Wisconsin, but as a whole, the species, can you guys maybe touch on um, if there are risks, what they may be, and what, what people can do? Yeah, I think that's a, a critically important piece of the puzzle and something that definitely needs to be talked about because when people hear cougar, that's one of the first things they think. Uh, many people react with fear, uh, concern for their children, their pets. Um, uh, and certainly these are large carnivores and it's, it's, it's worth being aware of their presence and, and what risk they may pose. But when we look across occupied cougar range, uh, cougars live amongst us in many western areas. In fact, uh, they're, they're a predator that courses amongst the parks in urban areas of Southern California. They live right in and among people, but uh, attacks or even aggressive behaviors toward humans are exceedingly rare. Um, over the last decade, they could be counted on your fingers. So the, the risk that cougars pose to people uh, is very, very, very low, but it's always worth pointing out it's not zero. So individuals that may encounter a cougar out in the woods, you know, want to give it a respectful distance, um, and, and you don't want to treat it like anything other than a wild animal. And I think that's the thing that we can't hit on enough is a healthy respect for wild animals, whether it's big or small, you need to respect that that animal is wild, it lives in the wild. Hypothetically in that situation, what would someone do? If they encountered a cougar yep. in the wild, again, if, if it's seen at a distance, just give it a respectful distance, maintain eye contact, and sort of slowly back away or extricate yourself from the situation. If it's a close encounter and the animal's actually uh, showing you great attention, it's, it's, it looks like it's interested in you, the last thing you want to do, though instinct might push you this way, is run, because then you're acting like prey. So what you want to do is make noise, stare at the animal, let it know that it's been seen, because again, they're ambush predators. They, they hunt using surprise. And once they know that you're aware of their presence, more than likely they'll back away. But raise your hands above your head, try to get to an elevated position, maybe uphill, yell at the animal, maybe toss a stick at it, uh, just again to let it know that you're not suitable prey. Mm -hmm. If you bump into someone on the street, and they have no, absolutely no information about cougars, no knowledge of it. If there's one thing that you could tell them relative to our current situation in Wisconsin, uh, Jane, maybe we'll start with you. What would that be? Um, I guess I would just share that, uh, yes, we do have cougars coming into the state occasionally. And um, it's a small number at this point, as far as we can tell, they're, um, they're passing through at this point. Scott, what about you? Well, I think that's an important point, and just an extension of that. As far as we know, there's no breeding population, so the cougars that are seen are uh, transient. You know, if, if somebody does report a cougar in your area, it's not likely to be there next week or next month. It's likely someplace else. I think, I, well, I hope for the listeners listening to this, listening to Jane and Scott talk about the topic is they're extremely knowledgeable and enthusiastic about it. 
and I think they go at each contact with the idea that they're going to work closely with that landowner, no preconceived notions, and they're going to start at square one and, and help you work through it. So I really can't stress enough how important it is to use that large mammal observation form. You can find it on our website at keyword cougar, I believe. Yes. And large mammal observation form. And that's just a really great tool that we have to help monitor this type of stuff. But do you guys have any other closing thoughts before we wrap up? I obviously want to thank you for your time today. It was a super interesting episode. It's a wonderful topic, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it more as we roll forward. And I would just stress that um, almost all of the confirmed cougar sightings we've gotten have come through the public report system. Perfect. So that's a, that's a great ending note and definitely something to, to note too for the public. Thanks, guys. If you see any large mammal or even just evidence of one anywhere in Wisconsin, we'd ask that you report it via our large mammal observation form. As they mentioned, you'll find it by visiting dnr.wi.gov and searching for keyword large mammal. It's a great way to help us track cougars and more throughout the state so we can better understand them. And while you're at it, be sure to follow Wisconsin DNR on social media to stay up to date with any cougar-related news. Have questions for Scott or Jane about cougars or maybe even about another topic you'd like to hear us cover on a future episode? Email us at dnrpodcast at wisconsin.gov. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you get notifications of all future episodes. Thanks for listening.